This is a personal and private recording by a member of the US Air Force. Codename, Project Blue Book. Case file, 11,004, designated Stonefall. January 11th. It's 11.31 p.m. and this is probably the last chance I'll have to record this. Over 24 hours ago, Martha Lewis came back. I've never seen so much relief on someone's face as when I looked at her mother. That same day, her husband had been found dead, and she must have lost all hope that she'd ever be reunited with anyone from her family again. But there she was, soaked through from the rain. They both were, and looking a little bedraggled, in the same clothes she's gone missing in, but fundamentally, okay. The sheriff's officers cleared some of the crowd away, and we escorted Grace and Martha into the station. The sheriff sent for the local doctor so they could come and check Martha was okay, and we provided blankets for both of them. Everything else, the intensity of the conversation I'd not long ago had with the sheriff, faded away. I wasn't concerned with the past and the extraterrestrials and the, the house on the hill. Just this girl and her mom. But I desperately wanted to ask about the whereabouts of her brother. Me and the sheriff exchanged glances as we went to and from the store cupboard, fetching blankets and anything else Grace and Martha could possibly need. Maybe we were both wondering how long to wait before asking the question. Johnny could be in danger. He could still have been out there somewhere. But maybe the answer was too traumatic and neither of us were prepared to hear it. The doctor came and said we should ring an ambulance and get Martha taken up to New Haven for a proper examination. Sure thing, the sheriff said, ushering them out the building. They told us Martha appeared to be physically okay, although in a clear state of shock. So the sheriff and I both decided to keep her at the station for a little longer. It was time to ask the questions. We started with asking how she was feeling. Okay, she said. Had she eaten? She didn't know. She couldn't remember. Where had she been? Again, she didn't know. She asked us how long she'd been away. It's been almost two weeks, the sheriff said. Do you remember why you left in the first place? She sniffed and looked awkwardly at her mother. Mom and Dad were fighting. Grace looked ashamed and held her daughter more tightly. We went up to the woods to play, Martha said. Johnny said he was waiting for someone. We asked her who it was. She didn't know. 
there was a strange noise and I was scared, so I ran away. Arthur was beginning to cry. I stepped in with a question. Did Johnny go away with this person? Did she see him again? Martha hesitated a while before replying. I heard talking, she said. I didn't see him again. Grace interrupted us at that point and said she'd like to take Martha to the hospital. The sheriff sent them on their way, accompanied by his deputy. We returned to his office and both took a swig of whiskey. I feel sick, the sheriff said. I don't know if it's relief or dread. You think she's telling the truth? I shrugged. I just don't know where she's been all this time. Living in the woods? I slumped back in my chair, untying and retying my hair, working through everything in my mind. Sheriff was still talking, I think. On the 28th of December, Martha and Johnny had been separated. Martha couldn't describe the strange noise she heard. Perhaps a sound from the source of the lights that Louise Finch saw? Perhaps JB, Louise's dog. It could have been anything. And who had Johnny arranged to meet? Being back in this office was also pressing other questions back into mind. I stared up at the sheriff and decided to get some answers. You said the blame had fallen on the right people, I said. When the rockfall happened on one of the school buildings, you said the blame had been passed about but had settled in the right place. How can the blame settle for a rockfall? Wasn't it an accident? The sheriff stared at me for a moment. I know you broke in here last night, he said. Went through my files. Did you find anything interesting? Not enough, I countered. We stared at each other for a bit longer. I was starting to feel unnerved by him. And there was a knock at the door. Maybe they found Johnny, I said as it opened. It was the sheriff's wife. We exchanged a polite, if brief, greeting, and the two of them went out in the hallway to talk. I listened in. There was some kind of meeting at the town hall about Martha, and the sheriff had been asked to update the town. He asked who would arrange the meeting, and I didn't catch the answer. The sheriff came back in, said he had to run. He said perhaps I could get a car and go out to New Haven, find out more from Martha. I agreed, and he left. I waited for a while before going out of the building half thinking I should mess up his desk drawers just as payback for being an asshole to me. But I resisted and arranged for a car. One of the officers offered to drive me, but I said I'd much rather go by myself. While I was waiting out the front of the station, I watched as the crowds of people descended on the town hall. It was the first time I'd seen the town this busy. In fact, the first time I'd seen any activity in the town hall at all. Its lights were burning through the darkness now. I was within my rights to go, but knew I wouldn't have been welcomed there. 
the officer brought the car around. I thanked him, took one last look at the crowd, and climbed in the driver's seat. As I was about to set off, the passenger door opened. I turned, ready to protest company, when I saw that it was the woman from the bar. What do you think? She said. I asked what about. After the night I was having, the list of things that question could have been addressing was endless. Going to see Martha, up at the hospital in New Haven. You think it's a good idea? I was pissed at her. Why don't you just do my job for me? Because this shouldn't be your job anymore, she replied, clearly as annoyed as I was. You were removed. I asked her if she was coming with me, and she smiled. She said there was no point, because Martha hadn't gone up to New Haven. I asked what she meant. What else would get a town full of drunks and layabouts out from their beds at this time of night? if it wasn't for a glimpse of the miraculous returned child. I swore and looked back towards the town hall. There is actually an answer to that question. It wasn't rhetorical, she added. I thought for a moment. Well, it is pretty miraculous. I'd get out of bed for it. No, she said. Every single person in this town is going towards that town hall. For what? To see a child over the heads of every other bastard that lives here? To welcome her back into their community? Well, they aren't going to kill her, are they? I was hoping that question wasn't going to get a reaction. They want to know about the extraterrestrials. They want to know where she's been. They probably want to know about Johnny. They're curious. It's weird. They're weird. But it's fair enough. Are we going to watch, or are you going back to unsuccessfully keeping to the shadows? She smiled once more at my rant, and then, very carefully, very precisely, said, I think we should ram this car into the hall. It took me a moment to digest what she had said. Excuse me? Let's do it. Let's ram the car into the hall, she said again. I told her to get the hell out of my car, and then told her to hang on. Why did she even want me to do that? What would be the possible advantage of harming so many people? If you don't want to do that, then let's go and see the house. The one on the hill. I put the car into gear and did what she'd said. I was scared to leave Martha behind and Worried about what the people of the town were capable of. I was infuriated at the woman who, I can now say with almost certainty, was a member of Majestic Twelve. It's easier to talk about secrets when you're on the run and the chances of getting back to safety are slim. We drove to the large house in silence, past the cranberry fields. I looked in the wing mirror at the town as it began to get further away. I was desperate to go back, to listen to what was being said or done in that hall. But I felt, strangely, like I could trust this woman. She clearly knew more of what was going on and had, maybe, made the decision to help me. She was taking the same approach as my boss. 
She didn't want any of the responsibility, any of the blame. And so I suppose that's why she'd stuck to the sidelines. The odd helpful hint, a warning to keep me on track. I think that's why she interrupted what I was doing, why she removed some of my recordings. I'd strayed too far into speculation, and she'd made the decision that it was time for things to happen. This triggered another thought for me. Had she known Martha was coming back? Or had a hand in arranging it? We parked up at the large driveway of the hall and got out. There was no one home. The little I knew about it told me it hadn't been occupied for a long time. It had been the root of ghost stories and folk tales since then. The door creaked open with worrying ease, and we stepped inside. Everything was caked in dust. There was still a lot of furniture. The rooms were ornate and refined. It seemed quite at odds with the town it overlooked. We made our way through to a grand dining room and the entire table was covered with files. The woman explained this is where she'd been working, essentially doing the same job as I had, but she said, with a little more focus, where I had strayed into looking for Martha and Johnny and their town. She had gone further into the rumors of the lights and the strange objects in the sky. I asked her if she'd sent the man from the Air Force to put me off. She said she hadn't. That was just what happened with all of these cases. Blue Book investigated them for show with no intention of finding anything. The woman said that her people were the only ones genuinely expected to find answers. We spent a little while going through her files. She'd written all of them herself. Notes from the same files that my boss had sent me, listings of all the important sightings. She told me that she'd burn all of this when she was done, and maybe the house with it. You're looking for the unidentified objects, but you must know something about the people in this town, about Martha. Why else tell me to ram the car into their town hall? I didn't really mean it. Just as well I didn't do it then, I said. How did you get into this place? Do they know you're here? It didn't look broken into. I looked up from the files at her, expecting an answer. Instead, she was holding a large knife. Can I have your gun, please? I didn't move until I heard a door creak open at the other end of the room. Coming up from the stairs down into a lower level, dressed in a suit with his hair slicked back, was Elias Brazel. The Madman from Massachusetts. Stonefall was created and written by James Mortimer. Read by Rebecca Malewish. Music by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons.